This episode is sponsored by Skillshare, which offers classes designed for real life, so you can move your creative journey forward without putting life on hold. Their short classes are a perfect fit for your busy routine. You'll create real projects and get the support of fellow creatives so you can accomplish real growth. There's a lot of fascinating classes on Skillshare on topics including illustration, design, animation, and even ones that I'm personally afraid of, like entrepreneurship and productivity. When I was looking through the class list, I saw one called The Principles of Investing in the Stock Market when first starting out, and I gotta tell you, it really spoke to me. And that's not because I have any interest in stocks or disposable income to invest, but it felt like something that if I signed up for it, my dad maybe will get off my back for a little while. Because honestly, dude's been up my ass about a lack of a retirement plan for way too long, and I have just about had enough. I mean, who is Roth Ira anyway? Who is he? Why does he have a last name for a first name and a first name for a last name? Am I supposed to become Teherian Kava? Is that how I retire? Is this some weird twisted boomer logic that I don't understand? But whatever, fine. I'm signing up for the class. It's okay. It's, I'm going to do it. I'll make the effort to bridge the gap yet again. Always me. Always me. Explore your creativity at Skillshare.com slash musicalsplaining, where our listeners get a free trial of Skillshare Premium. That's right. A free trial of Skillshare Premium at Skillshare.com slash musicalsplaining. No matter what 2021 brings, you can spend it creating something meaningful with Skillshare's online classes because time is what we make of it. Dad. All right. Lead us in. King. King. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Great. Wait, give me a giggle should, fit at the top dude, of this. Yeah, yes. I just called him a king, and for some reason he's laughing. Well, anyway, welcome to Musical Splate, and I am your ungiggly host. I'm the professional one this time, Lindsay Ellis. And I'm your co-host, Commentarian, a.k.a. Yeah, king. Have, yeah, he's having a good day. <laughs> just, say, you know, just, just say one nice thing to him, and he just loses it. I'm just not used to it. It's just like it's so novel. I don't know. I'm like, oh, oh, oh yeah. I'm flattered. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, uh, yeah, we'll see. Today, um, we're doing the thing we're not supposed to do, which is cave to people's requests, but... Uh, I thought it was an interesting request because, you know, it's always good to do something a little different. So Today, we're here to talk about... Repo the Genetic Opera. Yeah, is a mo- uh, I, I, have, I don't know anything about this one either, by the way. I don't know if we discussed this so, at all. I literally, I've only ever seen the logo. That's it. Have you ever heard of it? Do you remember like, you know, in the mid 2000s, you know, back when we were in our 40s, um, you know, you, you might have heard about. <laughs> back when I, I was know, a like, prince before I became yeah. a king. <laughs> 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 back in your younger royalty days. In my royalty you know, days. Back when we were middle-aged. Do you, you don't remember like that, that being kind of like a thing? Repo. It was a big thing with our age group. So here's the thing that I remember about it, which is the first movie I ever worked on when I came to Los Angeles. Back in 2008, I came down and I, and I worked on a film called um, Operation Repo, which was mm. some, I guess it was a reality show about these people that like repo cars. Uh, and then there was a feature film of it. And then I was hired as like a PA. And then I was a boom op working out in Silmar when it was like a billion degrees 
with like full on cans in the middle of the summer. It was like awful. It was brutal. But I got my first IMDb credit and I was really excited about it. So cans, the only huh? reason I remember Repo is that I was like, is that our movie? And it was like some other thing. So that was, I was like, it was my rival. So I would hate it. But that's all I know Maybe about it. I yeah, I wonder if maybe it was like a bigger thing in New York because it feels like it, it kind of has a more New York vibe because uh, Repo to my memory, and I will grant you, I've only seen it once. I remember it being a big deal in that cult, you know, support indies kind of way. Uh, okay. Obviously, it is very, you know, off the beaten path in terms of what a musical looks like. It is the rare horror musical. And I feel like that, I mean that in like kind of a, a more like, yes, actually way, not like, you know, Rocky Horror, which is a comedy and it's not horrific at all. Sure. And uh, or even Dance of the Vampires, which granted, I've never seen the final Broadway version, but I know people who have and they say it is a tonal mess, but it's not really horror. Would you qualify, um, whatchamacallit, as as uh, a, 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 what is it, uh, Barbara, Barbara Street? What the fuck is it called? My brain stopped. Oh, uh, Sweeney Todd. Yeah. Sweeney yeah, yeah. Todd. Yeah. Is that <laughs> Barbara a horror? Street. <laughs> Barbara Street. <laughs> That's like the Avenue Q version of Sweeney Todd. <laughs> Sweeney Todd with puppets. It's dad brain Barbara's- despite not having children. Yeah. <laughs> it's king brain. I'm you, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> you do have like the most remarkable case of dad brain I have ever met in a non-dad. <laughs> with all those, those nieces uh, and nephews. All those princesses and princelings running away. <laughs> running around. <laughs> What the fuck? I'm like giddy today. This is weird. Uh, yeah, I, should, I should call you royalty more often. Fuck. Should we like stop recording and I should go for a walk and come back to combat? <laughs> this is like, my first person you've spoken to in a week where I'm just like, everything I, I say is hilarious. It's weird. I don't know oh, what's happening. Oh, yeah. And I was like, quarantine brain is getting to us. So, so let's it's watch true. A, I think that's you know, a, a movie about like a deteriorating genetic populace <laughs> that, you know, is just trash. So the question I was trying to ask with with <laughs> with it is that where would that scale in terms of horror uh, musicals in relation to I'd this? I'd say it's up there. I'd, I would put it up there with Sweeney Todd. Sweeney Todd. Um, I think, yeah, it's like in terms of horror, it is, okay. to my memory, pretty, pretty gross. That's part of why it's not my jam. Okay. And because, uh, you know, I think I don't know if it's like quarantine or what, but I found myself like just with less and less threshold for any kind of body horror. Like um, there was this yeah. Uh, yeah. Sh- uh, short story making the rounds yesterday um, that was about like it's called Scallop. And um, it was about like a person kind of slowly turning into a sea scallop by uh, like eyes kind of popping out. Sea, sea scallops have a bunch of eyes. And so like eyes kind of spontaneously like pop up all over their body. And I just couldn't handle it. That I made it like gross. 30%. Yeah. I was like, no, and you'd think like normally that's fine. But like sometimes I just, I don't know. And I rewatched Chernobyl yesterday for the 80th 60th time. time yeah. <laughs> and I was like, it, it like was harder to watch than it normally was, um, you know, with the previous 59 times. Yeah. When I first started watching it, so I didn't finish it. We only watched a couple of episodes of it but it was mm-hmm. like oh living through government incompetence while people are dying and trying to watch it as a show i was like this is not escapism right now i don't want to watch this so i've actually only ever seen a couple episodes i intend to finish it at <gasps> one point it. Mm-hmm. yeah i watched it with one of our uh ice you know isolation pod friends last night and when we finished mm-hmm. it she was like they actually handled it way better than uh, we handled covid 
Like, and I think oh, that's God, true. That's <laughs> I think that is oh, absolutely fuck. true. Like, Bleak. I because we were like, holy shit! If if like we had had a, if they'd had a Trump instead of a Gorbachev in charge of the USSR, uh, all of Europe would be uninhabitable right now. Jesus uh, but Christ! But anyway, repo. Repo. Anyway, okay. Repo. So it's it's on the uh, what did I call it? Barber Street. It's on the Barber Street. It's on the Barber Street scale of, of horror. <laughs> You are not generally a fan of horror in general. Are you like no, outside don't of musicals? Like, yeah. When I was in high school, my understanding of personality is the thing I like is my personality. Mm-hmm. And I remember like, well, I need to like something in order to have a personality. So I had this <laughs> phase where I was like, okay, I guess horror movies are my thing. Yeah. So I remember watching Scream, but not good horror movies either. It was like, I guess Scream was the best one. I remember watching like, you know, uh, I Know What You Did Last Summer and like Halloween and like just tried to get all the classics in because mm-hmm. Blockbuster was still open. Blockbuster. Um, and I just remember like mainlining them thinking like, well, I got to like one of them but in them, they never really clicked with me yeah. and the older I got the more I'm just like I think I yeah, it's like I guess you know depending on the type of horror because I'm like Silence of the Lambs is like one of my favorite movies of all time like yeah, I will too. drop it you know yep. drop what I'm doing and watch watch that that <laughs> <laughs> like Farber <Beans. laughs> yeah I will watch that 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 lips that lispy boy talk about fava beans but so i guess like that type of horror but in general like body horror is a hard no um anything that's like kind of premised on jump scares you know i like individual instances of them like i think the ring is pretty good but like as a genre nah yeah i i find myself reading about horror and being interested in it as like the way it's analyzed like Mm -hmm. the last girl and like how certain ones combine genres or it it being like a sort of uh, like a metaphor for something else, like whatever, like get out and stuff. Yeah. Get out. Get out was good. Not body horror. I I, I like Like it's kind of body horror, not the kind that bothers me. Not. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I like the, I'm saying I always like the intellectual exercise of horror, but to sit and watch horror. I I like, this is going to sound really stupid, but I like reading about horror movies. Yeah, yeah. More than no, actually totally like sitting and too. watching them. Like I'm I will like, oh, read cool. like, yeah, I'll read like io9 articles or, or like, you know, compilations, but I like, I won't seek them out. And, like the only reason I saw Get Out was because it had all this hype around yeah. it. Uh, so I think that's generally true. Unless it's like a hyped up thing, I'm not going to watch it. Like, because I think you know, fans of the genre, they don't really care about that. They like, you know, go, they like the genre yeah. and they enjoy the process. Uh, but the thing about Repo, like all horror musicals, it's kind of also a horror comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, to my memory, it has a very strange tone. Um, and I guess that was ultimately my thing. Was I remember being very disappointed by it when I saw it. Mm-hmm. Mostly because it wasn't as interesting as I thought it would be. Okay. Um, so it kind of didn't live up to its promise. But again, it's been 12 years. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe it will It will uh, surprise me. So would you like to give us some, some repo... Yes. Notes. Uh, Repo the Genetic Opera is a 2008 American science fiction gothic rock horror musical written and composed by Terence. Is it a French name? Is it Dunich? Is it Zadunich? I think that's Polish. It's Zadunich. Zadunich. It's like Robert Zadar. Zadar. Zadunich. And Darren Smith, starring Alexa Vega of Spy Kids fame, Paul Sorvino of Goodfellas fame. Anthony Stewart Head of Buffy fame, Sarah Brightman of Kava Favorite fame. Which one was Sarah? Wait, who's Sarah our, Brightman? Our, I forget. Our second favorite Brightman. <laughs> Would, am I supposed to remember who Sarah Brightman is? Because I've already forgotten. Sarah Brightman was. Paul, give us a, a drum roll sound effect. <laughs> the original Christine is. Oh, it's oh interesting. Andrew Lloyd Webber's second. Oh, wife. shit. That's right. Oh, my God. Ooh. 
I want to know what Al- <laughs> all roads all roads lead back to Phantom. I want to know what he thinks of this. Yeah, he's probably just happy she got work. I was gonna know? say if she gets murdered, he's probably like, "This is great." Wait, is he still married to her, or are they divorced now? Oh, they divorced. Oh. They they weren't married for very long. Okay. Um. So Sarah Brightman, Paris Hilton, of the Hilton family fame, of of the uh, it, generational wealth fame, uh, <laughs> of the simple life fame, uh, Bill Mosley, Nivek Ogre, is it Ogre? Ogre, ogre. Maybe I assume it's, it's ogre. ogre. Like, ogre? I'm assuming it's ogre because I I, I, I'm going to assume that's the stage name. I, I okay. Uh, and writer composer Terence Zadunich as Grave Robber. Uh, while transitioning from studio work and animation to life as a freelance artist, Terence enrolled in an acting class at the South Coast at the South Coast Repertory Theater, where he met future collaborator Darren Smith. Due to the positive response to their first ten minute opera, the Necro Merchant's Debt. They decided to expand the piece into a full-length theatrical format, which was later renamed Repo, the genetic opera. I don't know why I'm reading it in that voice. It's just fun. Uh, (laughs) Well, you're thinking like a king, I think, (laughs) is what's happening. (laughs) You're really slipping into the role. For some reason, I'm hearing opera as as the rural juror again. I don't know why. It's probably because, you know, the second the rural juror comes in, you're just, um, your internal monologue slips into Jenny Mor- Jenna Maroney. <laughs> I don't know about you, but yeah, just like the opera. Opera. Uh, the theater. Only a musical movie on technicality, as it did have theatrical origins, but never made it higher than a one act off of Broadway. Zadunich and Smith put together a 10-minute short film of Repo in 2006, starring Michael Rooker. Oh, I love Michael Rooker. As the yeah. Repo Man. I love that guy. <laughs> He's not in this, though. Interesting. No, I just like I think that would have raised it. Yeah, like, fucking a. Way better. Yeah, I think it's like honestly, given who is cast as the Repo Man <laughs> in the final version, um, I think Michael Rooker would have been much better casting. But he's got less brand name recognition, at least back in two thousand eight, when say. Anthony Stewart Head was a get. <laughs> <laughs> the feature was picked up by Lionsgate and released in two thousand eight. Due to Lionsgate's lack of promotion, director Bousman and creator Zadinich did much of their own promotion, including a roadshow style of touring. So a roadshow style of touring, for those of you who don't know, uh, which is something I've done a tiny, 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 eeny, weeny bit of, is uh, you rent a theater, you promote the shit out of it, and you have a screening of your film, and then you have like a little Q&A, sort of like, you know, like an old school roadshow. And then you go from town to town and you have people show up and watch your movie and talk to you and you build an audience sort of the old fashioned way. Uh, I believe it's what Kevin Smith's been doing for like the last few of his films. Um, well, it was it used to be uh, like it's very tied in with musical movies because it used to be how all major studio movies were promoted, mm-hmm. um, especially like, you know, because like back in the day they would like. It would be like a Broadway show. They'd have merch, you know, it'd be like, you know, a ticket. Uh, It would be like this big deal. And when the roadshow came to your town, it was just like the big event that everybody did like a month or two before the film was uh, generally released. It's kind of like a concert tour almost where like they're just going to show up and you get like a T-shirt and all that shit. Yeah, yeah. And so I think like it it works for stuff with like, uh, like when we make our musical explaining the movie. (laughs) Oh, God. Every every episode. It's like another thing I have to write. Fuck. (laughs) 
Yeah, well, I know you love producing. Uh, well, when we do that, you know, it's like, you know, the things with like, they, it tends to work well with things with like built in fan bases. That does tend yeah. to be like, well, you know, back before the plague times, why like live shows yes. and podcasts did well. Um, because like people would like, oh, you know, they'd show up. And Repo was mm-hmm. one of those things that had a dedicated fan base before it got, uh, you know, its own film release. Because it apparently like Zadunich, like as I understand it, is, you know, like a really friendly guy makes, you know, he's, you know, kind of like Macklemore. He networks like, really, really well. <laughs> he sleeps on a lot of couches. Like, you know, he's one of those. Uh, just likes to go in there and, and press the flesh and just go meet everybody. Yeah. And so, you know, he he was really good at like, you know, making connections and, and making it so they could like have a roadshow. And that was why it, you know, I guess got, and because it did have a legit cult following. That's why we keep getting um, requests for this, you know, because people genuinely like it. Uh, I'm I just not, I'm not one of them. Just not me, Tam. No, roadshows are good. It's a good way to engage with people, too. It's just, and it's fun. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. fun to. It's like uh, a thing that works. It makes a lot of sense for indie things. Yep. It doesn't make sense for major releases anymore. No, no, no. In fact, I was going to say it's part of the model now for most independent films, or a lot of them mm-hmm. is to try and do that. It's like a good way of cutting out the middleman. Um, <clears throat> if you're lucky, you'll get good deals and stuff. Anyway, this is not the roadshow producing podcast. Uh, I can mm-hmm. walk you well, through that at is. some point it's, if you really wanted to. Uh, you know what? Like your your like journey as a producer, I feel like you're you're like the you know uh, like Rocky's mentor who'll never box again, or like the Danny DeVito goat and Hercules who's like I'll never I'll never mentor again, and you know, but he he really wants to do it, but he's been burned. Just keep getting sucked feel, back into it. Yeah, she's just like you just like just like hey, maybe just produce one last time. <laughs> And it'll be it's like, more like Rambo, where I'm like, no, ride. and I run into the fucking woods, and then everyone chases after me, and then every bunch of people die. Yeah, no, you're just like one last ride, but then you discover, you I rediscover your it. love of producing. Yeah, keep it, doing it comes it. full keep circle because I, yeah, I was like, you, I was your first uh, real production. <laughs> That's true. You were the first thing experience. I ever properly produced. I was the first. Yeah. And here I am producing a podcast. Uh, one last ride. I, it is curious. <laughs> musical, <laughs> musical explaining the movie. <laughs> It's going to be the uh, this the fictional account of how we met and like how we became friends <laughs> and then like how we went on the yeah, road. Yeah, it should be completely it. different from what it actually right. was. Like, and we should have uh, actors that don't you, look like us playing us too. Yeah, I, I was uh, uh, doing a contract job for the CIA <laughs> and spying on you because <laughs> it was after nine eleven. <laughs> and then you found out and you were really pissed off but you didn't tell me right away because we were at film school and it would be right. weird I don't know exactly <laughs> I was like I can't anyway so Repo the genetic opera actually this sounds pretty good we should then <laughs> 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 we team up against Woo! the man yeah yeah uh, okay. Anyway, initially received mixed to negative reviews from critics, but gained a cult following similar to the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Hilton's performance won her the Golden Raspberry Award for Worst Supporting Actress at the 29th Golden Raspberry Awards. How sad. At the same ceremony, Hilton was also awarded Worst Actress for her role in The Hottie and the Naughty. She had two roles that year? Yeah, that was her year of, uh, I'm gonna try to be in movies. I, and I've seen both of those. Um, I honestly think it's, um kind of unfair like uh because i mean she's as well cast as she can be in repo like you'll see it's like maybe it's not the best performance but it's not the wrong one for her (laughs) it's just like she's basically just playing herself 
So somebody was talking about this on Twitter. I'm trying to remember what it was, but I, I brought up the example of Rihanna and fucking Valerian. Did you ever see Valerian? No. It's awful. It's so bad. And and for some reason, Rihanna's in it. And I'm like, Rihanna's a really successful, talented person. How the fuck did she end up in that movie? Right. And I'm like, who? Mm-hmm. What? Are, there's like 50 steps between a person that's that successful showing up in a movie like that. And like, it should have been vetted and, and, and cleared. How does Paris Hilton end up in a movie like this? Not that she's somebody that's like super in demand and like is talented and great, but I would imagine. Well, I think in 2008. Yeah. Cause like that was a huge reason why the movie got any attention at all. Cause I had like a couple of like big ish names, like Alexa Vega. Uh, you probably remember she was like the girl in spy kids mm-hmm. and, um, Anthony Stewart had obviously had, was in uh, Buffy the vampire slayer for however, 18 years it was on the air. Okay. Um, and uh, so, you know, people who are our age are going to, like, see those names and be like, oh, cool. But, you know, Paris Hilton was kind of like the novelty. Uh, she's not in it much. Okay. <laughs> and again, she's well cast for the role she plays as, you know. A hotel evil heiress. Soci- <laughs> evil socialite that gets a lot of plastic surgery. <laughs> you know. That surgery was like this sort of like trail of misogyny that you know follows Paris Hilton around uh I've never even heard of that like, movie it's it's honestly kind of like it's really not that bad like I think that there's like people just kind of hated it on premise because like look at it and it's called the hottie and the naughty and it's basically like a she's all that style like you know uh you know Jennifer's body but nice I guess because uh, it's like oh it's a weirdly sweet movie mm-hmm. uh, I, I I like I was I remember watching it thinking it was going to like it won all the Razzies, but I'm like, this is not that bad. Like, it's watchable. It's it's not great. It's really, you know, hokey and sexist, but it's, you know, far from the worst thing you'll ever see. It's just easy target of Paris Hilton. People yeah. being able well, to I shit think, on like, her. It was a, yeah, it was a Paris Hilton vanity project, but Repo wasn't. Repo was like, you know, they got her for the novelty, but, you know, she's not miscast in it by any stretch. Okay. So uh, I, 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 do cast, I do cast a really serious side eye to the, you know, people that were like, oh, she's the worst thing ever. It's like, no, she should not have been famous. But, you know, <laughs> if she must be in a movie, this is the correct one. This is the correct role for her. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, what's for me to expect going into this? I guess you've only seen it once, so you don't even really remember that much. I remember um, because there's one scene in the movie that I think is pretty good. And it was the one that they would like promote. It's on YouTube. It's called Zydrate Anatomy. And it's kind of, to my memory, the only good song. (laughs) Zydrate comes in a little glass vial. A little glass vial? And the little glass vial goes into the gun like a battery. And I remember seeing that before I saw the movie, and I was like, oh, well, if the rest of the movie is like this, then the movie must be pretty cool. But to my memory, the music is not very memorable. And that's sort of like the great sadness of it. Not sadness, but I guess like that's kind of where it doesn't really stack up is it's just like the music is fine. Okay. And if we ever do Dr. Horrible's sing-along blog, I, I feel like it's kind of similar in that way where the music, I mean, I think that one, like the music is a little better, but it has a very similar arc where it's, uh, you know, the story is also kind of like, okay, you know, <laughs> like, all right, you know, like, okay, sure. Um, do people like hate watching this then or what? Are they just, no, they people just, really, they just like really like it. Like it. Yeah, they really like it. Um, I I I guess I don't really understand it academically other than liking the aesthetic. Um, Maybe people like the the lead is is like an angsty teen and 
you know, her dad is the Repo Man, but she doesn't know that. Um, and, you know, only here the Repo Man takes your organs back instead of your car. Cool. Yeah. So that, that's the premise of the movie. <clears throat> okay. Um, okay. Yeah. I mean, it looks cool, like some sort of, I don't know. I, yeah, like, <laughs> I think it's one of those things, like back before I understood anything about cinematography, I was like, well, it looks cool. But now I'm like, maybe it's just the contrast is too high. And that just kind of makes white people look washed out. <laughs> and that's fine, I guess. Since there's no black people in the movie. It's fine. Like, like, I, don't, I, don't know. <laughs> like, I think this is the first one that I have no context for other than what we just read right now. I think everything else yeah. we've watched or seen. I've somewhat known at least a little bit about it, but this one I'm like, I have no idea what I'm getting myself yeah. into. I hope I, I hope I have more interesting insights after I rewatch it. <laughs> cause I, you know, cause like my, I don't remember hating it. I just remember being like, Oh, that was kind of disappointing. Uh, cause I think the thing about like other cult things, like showgirls is probably my favorite cult movie. I love showgirls. Um, and Rocky horror. I don't love Rocky horror, mm-hmm. but I'm kind of like, I, I'm tempted to make an exception for the you know, to the originated on stage rule for that one because the film is such a you know its own thing. Yeah, um, and it is a lot of fun. I guess it's fun the thing. fact. Rocky- fun fact. Are you ready for this? Only seen parts of it. Never seen it all the way through. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, I feel like everybody's seen like you know, Sweet Transvestite and you know, Time Warp and maybe Meatloaf's part. Like, because I don't think like Rocky Horror. I don't think is is a good movie in like a structural way, but like it's fun, and I think that's why people like it. You know, you can get, like you literally go to the theater and yell and laugh yeah, yeah, and throw yeah. things. You know. I, Repo is not a laugh throw. It's not a live laugh love kind of thing, unfortunately. Yeah, it is. Not, it's not a live laugh love movie. It's a, it's kind of like a nod uncomfortably and then go okay. <laughs> I think it's like I, I would struggle to to see what people would do at a theater except for maybe sing along. But I don't know. Well, we'll see. It's hopefully it's not torture porny because I don't like torture porn. That really I hate that kind of shit. It's too short for that. I to my memory, I don't know. Maybe it, I don't remember. So oh, how long is it? Uh, I guess, is that in there? Is it like is it? short film it's like 90 minutes short it's short perfect yeah yeah it definitely wasn't long because it's like the thing about musicals is they're hard to write (laughs) you can you can only sustain that for so long all right let's yeah let's go ahead and watch watch repo the genetic i'm sorry repo the genetic opera we have to keep consistent with mulan rish yeah yeah so repo the genetic opera is what we're gonna go watch on this break and probably have to take a shower afterwards considering how much violence it sounds like is going to be in it and then come back <laughs> with clear minds and discuss our thoughts. Yay. Yay. Love it. Love, love watching bodies. Live, laugh, love, up. repo. <laughs> this episode is sponsored by CuriosityStream, a subscription streaming service with literally thousands of documentaries and nonfiction titles. And there are some really good ones on there. There's a Glenn Gould one I really enjoyed, and actually one about Charles and Ray Ames for all you mid-century heads. You can also get access to our streaming video service Nebula when you sign up for CuriosityStream using our code at curiositystream.com slash musicalsplaining. The Streamy Award-nominated Nebula is a video streaming platform built by and for creators. Not disruptors, destroyers, troublemakers, botherers, or annoyers. So please, haters to the left. You're probably asking, why do I need Nebula if I've already got Curiosity Stream? And uh, you know what? That's a good question. Intellectual curiosity is how we reach a more perfect union. So good job. So I'm going to tell you how it breaks down. Curiosity Stream is all about big budget nonfiction videos. And Nebula is a place for the smaller, independent, education type creators to try out new ideas that might not work out on YouTube. 
So think of it as like a Gilman or like a CBGB where you can say you saw someone cool and punk before they became mainstream and lame. Although mainstream is cool too. There's no such thing as selling out FYI. Anyway, with Nebula, you can see original, you guessed it, content from creators like Legal Eagle, Sarah Zed, and a certain Ellis of the Lindsay variety. So get Curiosity Stream and Nebula for only $2.99 a month or $19.99 for a full year. That's 365 days, which is almost how long we've been in quarantine, but that's a side note. Uh, you can get that by visiting curiositystream.com, you guessed it, slash musicalsplaining. And once you use the code, you'll get a welcome email from Nebula giving you access to the goods. Okay, we are back from having watched Repo, the generic opera. Eh? I Yeah, I just looked to see, like, because, you know, normally whenever there's, like, a dumb play on words yep. that is kind of, like, somewhat related to the movie, uh, 18,000 reviewers had already thought of it. <laughs> and so I checked, like, it, was Repo the generic opera a thing? It was not. Oh, really? Like, there's heart. Yeah, there's heart. There's... There's not not really anything. So you had an original thought. Congratulations! I'm the voice of a generation, as I've always said. <laughs> your first, your first original thought. You did it. <laughs> you did they it. don't call me king for no reason, you know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yes, repo, so repo, repo, repo. All right. Yeah. So repo, the genetic opera is the story of a post-apocalyptic uh, capitalist dystopian future in which there appears to be only one company after some cataclysmic horrible thing happened. Amazon. Um, this this company uh, will let you buy organs, uh, you know, fashion organs, like your fashion kit. Stylish. Um, Diamond encrusted. For, you know, in exchange for debt slavery. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, you got to be careful, though. If you don't pay off your organs, you get your organs repossessed by the repo man. But the story itself is uh, uh, follows young Shiloh, who, uh, <laughs> unbeknownst to her, is actually the daughter of the repo man. Mm-hmm. She's got a dead mom, as, you know, is often a theme with these, you know, goth musicals. As as we may remember from the song "Dead Mom" from Beetlejuice, <laughs> <laughs> the musical. Dead mom. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. I forgot about de- that. Dead mom. Dead mom. mom. And so uh, hijinks ensue. It uh, as I mentioned, <laughs> my my threshold for body horror is very low these yeah, days. Yeah, me too. Uh, I guess so. It was just as bad as I remember on that front. Yep. Uh, yeah, because I, I was thinking, like, I think a lot of it genuinely is that we are surrounded by death in a way that we have never been in our lifetimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think maybe because I think that's part of why, because it's just like I had to actually because it's goofy horror. Like, I think that's why people it does, like that sort of thing doesn't normally bother people because it's goofy. Yeah. You know, it's not very realistic. No. But all the same, I I just it makes me cringe in a way that it would not have a year ago. Like even like like again, Chernobyl is just like hard to watch in a way that it wasn't the first time I saw it. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah. And I guess because it's just like I, I you know you're surrounded by death you're thinking about death and so I think this is like it kind of makes it less fun than it might have otherwise been it was funny because the way it started was interesting right I thought that the mm-hmm. premise just as like a kind of science fictiony concept was like ooh topical even though it's from you know 13 years ago and as you just said we're in a pandemic so automatically everything you watch is now sort of through that prism so mm-hmm. to be like 
oh, there's like some fucking terrible thing. Or we're living in a post-apocalyptic dystopian society where like people don't have proper access to healthcare. And then there's some crazy, like insane rich dude who has these goofus, like fucking idiot kids that like are all, yeah. all vying to take over the family company. You're like, yeah, it is very like, you know, poor Donald. Yeah. His children are inept. <laughs> right. The the best one is the hot girl. And even she's pretty. Iffy. Yeah. It's like fucking Donald Trump Jr. And Eric fighting each other. And one of them has like a mask on his face at all times. But right. Yeah. And so in this context, the Jinko is owned by, I wouldn't say Trump-ish, I guess he's he's a little Trumpy, like a patriarch who has three kids played by Donald, Eric, and Paris Hilton. (laughs) Um, And that that is the stunt casting. Paris Hilton's character is uh, billionaire heiress. (laughs) Weird. Big stretch. So, I mean, I think in that sense... It was like, okay, I was like on board. There was like some cool drawings in the beginning. There's like some comic-y stuff where I was like, all right. And there was a lot of goodwill coming into it from watch having watched Ratatouille and really enjoying Moulin Rouge. <laughs> and I was like, I'm mm-hmm. a changed and man. And knowing I'm that a, this is a cult classic. Yes. And I'm like, I'm a theater critic now. I was telling Sarah, I was like, I'm very sophisticated. Like, I'm <laughs> elegant. I know these things. And then about like 30 minutes into it, I just was like, fuck this movie. God damn it. <laughs> I fucking hate this. How much longer is it? Why do I have to sit through this? Sarah, at one point, I think she wasn't really watching it because she had to work. She just sort of had it on the background. And then she turns to me and she's like, I need to have a drink to get through you watching this movie because that's how much anxiety it's getting. I I think maybe I'm a little more charitable. Um but not by much, if I'm being honest, because like I, I like as I was on my company call, uh, which I do every Monday or two, what we did Tuesday yesterday, uh, like two of my colleagues, Princess and Lisa, mm-hmm. like I mentioned, like I have to go watch Repo and they're both like, oh, I love Repo. And I was kind of like, why? <laughs> <laughs> and they were both like, it's fun. And so I was trying to go into it with that attitude, like, you know, to my memory, the music wasn't very good and the story was really weak. And I maintain that that is true. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> like, very true. But I was I was trying to go into it with like, okay, but it's a camp classic. It's like Showgirls, one of, one of my favorite movies. I love Showgirls, uh, and and it was not like Showgirls. Listen, I, Paul I just Verhoeven's like I great. tried. Yeah, I really I tried to get into it, and I was just like, by the end of it, all I could think about was like, just basically, I think like the biggest failing is just on a story level, it just doesn't work. I mean, Verhoeven, um, he directed Showgirls, right? That was one of his movies? Yes, yeah. the best movie. Verhoeven. The greatest movie ever made. I, I ever. actually haven't seen that one, but I am a fan of all of his science fiction <gasps> films. Oh, Jesus. All right. But, but Verhoeven, you know, using your reference of Showgirls, right? I haven't seen that one, but I can imagine if it's Verhoeven, he uses camp as a way to sort of get like a very sort of interesting social critique across. He tries to. Tries to. <laughs> I'm just thinking of like, uh, what's the other one? Starship Troopers or like Total yeah, Recall. Yeah, I think Starship like... Troopers uh, succeeds. Uh, I feel like Showgirls tries. Like, I guess Showgirls is more like Repo in that way in that it clearly has thoughts. Yeah, you know? it has an opinion. <laughs> it, has, it has thoughts <clears throat> and it tries. Um Starship Troopers might be the more like fitting example of a thing that you tries to use camp and succeeds in making a social critique. Yeah, and I, or RoboCop. Right, and, and that was also the central question I had when I was watching this. I was like, why? What is the point of this movie? Like, why are they making this? Yeah. Like, what is the like any movie or any story? It's like when you write it or when you're. It's like this thing that you have to get out, and you're like, I have this thing that I have to like say. Maybe you don't even necessarily know what that thing is. Maybe you can't articulate it and the process of making it is what that is. But I didn't really see why this needed to exist. And and 
this comes with a full disclosure of understanding that like, I'm sure everybody in 2008 thought it was very different. Like we're, I'm, I'm coming at it from like 2021. I, I don't think that's true. To my memory, like that was sort of my takeaway the first time mm-hmm. was it's kind of like, you know, three or four conflicting themes that kind of start to have a point, but never really finish it. Because yeah. like, OK, so what do we got? We got this this theme of like disease versus capitalism. Yeah. Um, the cure to your ills is to go into debt. You have this theme of debt slavery mm-hmm. uh, and having your literal organs reclaimed. Only there are no poor people in this movie. Or minorities, <laughs> like, by the, the way. <laughs> or, or minorities. There's like <laughs> Not no, a one. like none of the people, none of the people who are uh, brutalized are people who were in any way like forced because of class to, you know, yeah. get one of these organs. And then you kind of, you have this theme of like, I guess weaponizing disease mm-hmm. and I think like the and and I guess like vanity um you know where they would get like you know because plastic surgery being sort of like a thing that you get all the time yeah um I guess yeah <laughs> we should talk about plastic surgery I'm gonna make a note but also it's like you got the plastic surgery which is like okay it's kind of a lazy yeah. like yeah, I like, just moved to LA and I'm like yeah this is what I think of Los Angeles everyone gets yeah. plastic surgery yeah it's a very lazy critique but then like towards the end of the movie they're talking about like their designer kidneys and uh like designer like lungs and things that like are kind of like all right that's a little bit of a stretch yeah. you know you can't really have it like as like designer liver i guess was like the one thing where i'm like i guess you could attach that to a vice like in that sort of like roman and in, you know indulgence we are you know i want to drink to excess so i'm just going to replace my, my yeah, liver exactly. each, you know it is just like okay um but that that that's kind of like the one organ you can really attach a vice to, <laughs> like the rest of your organ. Like I guess, like uh, I don't know, I'm gonna eat a lot of pork and then I'll get my colon replaced <laughs> once I, yeah, I'm, you know, my five percent risk of colon cancer increase because of all the pork. You know, yeah. it's just like it really falls apart by like you know m- taking plastic surgery and connoting it with like fashion organs. Uh, so it is a very thematically confused movie. So that that's problem number one. It, it certainly seemed like a first draft of ideas. Like I could see yeah, those things yeah, yeah. being like, like I said, like even the premise, I didn't necessarily think was bad. I was kind of into it for the first few minutes. It just mm-hmm. didn't really go anywhere with it. Like you could, you could really extrapolate like a lot of goofy, crazy ideas off of it that they just didn't do. Because like there's a lot of uh, allegory in mm-hmm. it. You have yeah. zydrate, Zy- uh, which comes in a little glass vial, right. um, which Fucking I, I opiates, assume is basically is, is what yeah, it's supposed to it's be. Like, uh, it's it's opiates okay sure but it's opiates with no consequence like there's a bunch of like things that are introduced that don't really pay off in any way and that to me is like one of the the only good like there's i think there's a couple of good musical numbers in here one of them is um the zydrate anatomy which is you know sort of like the uh the group number Mm -hmm. where I think that's the other thing is the guy who wrote it, uh, Zadunich, like he gave himself all the good songs, which, you know, respect. Okay, Zydrate yeah, yeah. comes in a little glass vial. A little glass <laughs> vial. Yeah. I, I feel like it's like they, they tacked on a bunch of things that uh, are, are are sort of like shorthand for themes, but they don't actually. Doesn't flourish into anything. Turn them into. Yeah. They, they don't turn, in, turn into anything. Because like, you know, you have like debt slavery and opiate addiction, but the only person who's addicted is a rich person. So like. What does it matter? Yeah. Yeah. And there, there seems to be like all this. There's like hinting at this deep lore that never gets really explored like towards the end where they're like okay like it ends with the three dipshit kids inheriting (laughs) gene co i guess but like 
who cares? Yeah, none of it matters, uh, which I guess we can we can get into when we actually get into the story, because I like I, I had it took me a while to kind of parse out the mechanics of the story and what didn't work to me. Uh, the main, I guess, relationship in the story is young Shiloh, played by Alexa Vega, uh, and her father, uh, Anthony Stewart Head, who, who is a doctor who also happens to be the Repo Man. You know, he's like a sort of dorky Buffy type by day and a serial killer by night, and he seems to enjoy it. So right off the bat, we kind of got like a weird thing where like he has all these like comic musical numbers like the, and then they're meant to be comic. Like they have like cartoon boing sounds yeah. where he will, you know, like gleefully like slice people open while they're still alive and, you know, camp. rip their organs yeah, out. He's like, ha ha. Yeah, it's very camp. And then like half about halfway through the movie, he runs into a moral line that he will not cross. And that is when Donald Trump alike tells him he <laughs> needs to go repo Sarah Brightman, who uh, not only is the opera star in this universe, but um, is also Shiloh's godmother, which Shiloh, neither of them knew because, you know, neither knew they the other existed until today. And so in in, in Sarah Brightman's character, uh, Blind Mag, we get the mother figure yeah. uh, because, as I said, dead mom and you know all mother <laughs> figures must die so guess what happens to sarah but brightman daddy. <sighs> eventually shiloh found, finds out that he's the repo man and uh after a couple of have... fantastic numbers that she sings that's a joke no not at all <laughs> they're pretty yeah. bad <laughs> one of them which by the way i found to be very very offensive and it, which one, it was the one where, yeah exactly where she's like being 40 years old sucks and i'm like as a 37 year old this is heresy <laughs> It's like, hey, hey, yeah, this that's is when they crime. lost me in the movie. This is hate yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is hate speech. Uh, yeah, um, dad. Well, she's like, I'm your doctor, and I'm your dad. <laughs> Do you remember that song? I was laughing. Yeah. So, so the way it ends is, uh, so Shiloh finds out he's a repo man and runs away. Meanwhile, there's this other big climax happening on a stage that looks like it's a, a community theater. Like, yeah. It's just like, nothing says that, rich. Really, yeah, exactly. Like a fucking yeah, community Is that really the best show? set they could get? Like, I know this was on a shoestring, but I was like, could they not okay, find a better quick, theater than that Okay, real quick, by the way, I'm interrupt here. <laughs> I looked it up. It's according to the, to the site. It says eight and a half million dollar budget. That was not cheap. Maybe and that probably all went to Brightman. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that probably all went to Paris Hilton. Which I got really angry. At. This is why I decided I was like, I don't care. I'm going to tear into this because like, fuck this movie. Because I was I was under the impression that it was like this small indie. And I was like, OK, they're like scraping things together and they're trying mm-hmm. to make. And I'm like, I don't want to shit on somebody who's like just trying to do the best they can. But I'm like, that's fucking by any standard, like eight and a half million dollars is not nothing, especially like in right. 2008. You know, right. So yeah. so that that would be like a 15 million dollar film. That's today. a decent and sized film. And this movie does yeah. not have the coherence of like of even like a two million dollar movie, both in terms of its coverage and in terms of how it's structured, in terms of how it's shot. What was Fruitvale? Was that was, oh God, uh, that, was that was less than two yeah, million, that was less right? than two million. I think it was like one yeah. and a half million. Yes, by by our close colleague yes. <laughs> Brian Coogler. <laughs> Coogler, do it. Um, yeah, uh, but yeah, yeah. So there is a sort of. Um, amateurishness i feel like such an asshole using that word because like I, i've never no, made you know what makes film. it even weirder is that that guy directed i looked this up afterwards too he directed saw two three and four so he's directed a bunch of fucking like big movies like part of a big franchise and then this movie doesn't make mm-hmm. sense visually i'm sorry i'm getting very worked yeah. up right now <laughs> 
Um, after she says, I'm running away from you, Dad, now that I know you're the Repo Man, <laughs> uh, Anthony Stewart Head has this moment where he s- screams, let the father die and let the monster rain. And then he, you know, goes into like a com- and then it goes into the comic book panel style and we'll, we can get into that. And he goes on a, on a comic book panel murder spree. Mm-hmm. And then we cut back to, you know, the, the real footage. He runs out on stage and immediately gets his Achilles scissors sliced. <laughs> and then he's <laughs> immediately kneecapped. And uh, so the bad guys now have him. And uh, he spends the rest of the movie, like, tied to a chair, incapacitated. And it doesn't matter. Uh, You're just waiting for it until, to end. <laughs> yeah, until he gets shot by Donald Trump, who then dies of his own terminal illness. Then... Because he's dying, and for no other reason, they have this very emotional song <laughs> where they sing about how much they love each other, you know, daughter, father-daughter. Right. Dad, I will not leave you here, you will live. But you already saved me, dear. But he <laughs> never has a redemptive moment. Like, like he... He, he, what? Like, he he never has any because like I think that like the last minute redemption is it's like a little cliche but like at least it would have been something like he never does anything remotely redemptive except for being stopped in his murderous right. tracks um, and so then he gets shot and then she forgives him for no other reason than he's dying. because he was shot right. and then he's dead and now everyone on stage is either dead or faceless because Paris Hilton's face fell off because <laughs> plastic surgery is vanity <laughs> Um, and, uh, then Shiloh just leaves the theater and the movie ends. And then there's the prologue. Because yeah. she, because she turned down the, the, cause she turned down the right to own Gene Co. Again, a problem with no stakes, you know, cause it's like, if it's, it's like, I feel like even R- the Chronicles of Riddick had better <laughs> stakes than that, where he accidentally ends up being in charge of the evil empire, you know, I, I didn't <laughs> see Chronicles like, of Riddick. Well, yeah. Chronicles of Riddick ends with like, uh, a Khal Drogo scenario, like oh, okay. a, the Dothraki, like if you kill the leader, then you're in charge. I see. So it, it ends with uh, Riddick killing the leader of this like space empire, and now he's in charge of the space empire. He's like, oops. And so, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, oops. And so basically at the end of Repo, like uh, Shiloh is presented like, if you kill your father, I'll let you be in charge of the, you know, genetic empire. Yeah. And it's like, but this is not a, a conflict that has anything to do with no, her character. None of it makes you sense. Know, she didn't want power. She didn't want, like. I don't even know what she uh, wanted. She just wanted to leave her house, it sounds like. That was like her main she wanted motivation. To be, she wanted to be cured of her disease because she's got a blood disease, see? But then it turned out she was being Munchausened by proxy the whole time by her father. It just didn't make sense. Yeah, he was Munchausen by proxying her and, and giving her poison to make her think she was sick, but actually he was poisoning her to make her think she was sick. She also finds this out right after, right before he gets killed. And I guess that's, he says he's sorry. So maybe that's his reason. Oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> like, well, then that changes like, everything. He said, he goes, I shouldn't have done that. And then he gets shot. And then she's like, oh, well, let's let bygones be bygones. <laughs> I mean, it's, it was baffling to me because it just, it was totally incoherent and it's it's clearly a set of people, or at least a director and a budget of people who were at least at some point had some track record of professionals. I, honest to God, like until 
I went and read about it. I thought it was like Tommy Wiseau. Like I thought it was like the room where it was like this crazy person who's never done something like makes their first musical. And it was like, whatever, like, Oh, a million dollars or something that they somehow like funneled into it. And I was just like in Uh utter disbelief reading about the fucking people that actually worked on this. Yeah, I, I do kind of wonder if people kind of give it a pass for stylism. Style is different from incoherence, though. Like the, the I know, the, but the, people keep saying it's fun, you know. And I'm just I'm trying to understand. Like I and I feel like such an asshole because, like, you know, I know a lot of people are going to be really disappointed by this episode. But I'm just like I I I mean I don't hate 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 it. There are things I like about it. I really like Sarah Brightman. I like basically. When she's on screen, I like I like her look. I like I like a lot of the outfits. Dude, what the fuck? Her shit where she just like fucking pokes her eyes out with her nails and pulls them out at the end. I was like, what? Yeah, I, what I mean, like I was, was like, that? I think I get what they're going for. <laughs> like, she knows she's gonna get ki- she's knows she's gonna get repoed, so she's gonna go out on her own terms. I don't, which I think is really lame I don't because know, man. again, it, it doesn't like it doesn't do anything for the narrative. We could have like at the very least we could have let the uh, mother figure two live, and then they could have matriarchied off into the sunset together. I don't, know. Uh, I don't know, like like Maleficent. I mean, I think it's written into the text of the song that like being close to forty makes you like lame and you suck. <laughs> so I'm yeah. like, I guess I suck. Like this is not a movie meant for me, and that's okay. I'm not saying any of these things like by any objective measure of saying something's absolutely bad it's just like i was like nope i don't care yeah i don't care uh i feel like if it for i'm assuming that the reason people like this movie is because of the style and the camp and not necessarily the story and I, i can respect that and i think on that level then it's like a hard no for me because it's just like uh Stylism doesn't interest me too much if it's used clumsily. As it's not in this even case. done well, though. That's the thing. Like every shot is blown out, but that's not like a. It doesn't look like a deli- blown out by the camera. I mean, like it looks like mm-hmm. it's really harsh lighting. It's trying yeah. to look contrasty, but it just looks like they didn't know how to like change the aperture on the fucking lens. It doesn't look stylistic. It looks amateur. And I don't necessarily mean amateur and isn't like, oh, it's charming because it's like somebody trying to figure it out. It's like, why did you spend eight million dollars on a movie and then not know how to shoot it correctly is really what it is. Yeah, um, <laughs> but but I, I think people think it looks good um, because that was like the gothy blown out style was a style. Yeah. then. It definitely felt like looking at like an affliction like T-shirt or like fucking true religion jeans <laughs> like, as very, a musical. Yeah, it was very evanescent. Yeah, exactly. Evanescence. Yeah, I have that evanescence. And I think people like violence or like that campy kind of violence. I feel like I'm just being so patronizing right now because I am like grasping to figure out what people like about this movie. It's okay. I'm with you. Um, we'll both. They'll hate both of us. They won't hate one of you. They won't just hate you. Yeah, they'll hate both we'll of us. Be for hate, this. We'll be hated together. Yeah. Uh, we still love yeah, you guys though. Like, for we don't judge you for liking it. We just just don't yeah, get it. We, yeah, yeah, I think it's, it's like I, I, that's why I feel so patronizing. Right. Is like I just don't get it because uh, I have like this this note here about like want versus need in this screenplay format, and uh, like yes. it's it's kind of hard to write a passive protagonist who has um, you know stuff thrust upon them. Like I, I know this from experience, and a lot of people are immediately going to be turned off by that because people like active protagonists. Um, uh, but the problem is, like, even passive protagonists kind of have to want something, or at the very least, form a want right. or form a connection over the force of the over the course of the narrative. And the thing is, like, the primary relationships in this movie are really uncompelling. Yeah. Um, especially the main one, the father daughter one, is just 
really like I'm just Hollow. like God, I don't care. Like because we know there's going to be a, a liar revealed moment. But that's the thing. Even it, if it had been no cliche, build. like you're saying, it would have at mm-hmm. least had some sense semblance of like a structure to it. Yeah, and and whenever the lie does get revealed, it's like because that can even in a cliche way, it's like not my favorite trope, but like you know it can work. Um, but then when it happens, it's just like really hollow, and I'm like, well, at least thank God we're to Act Three. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and um, you know, Shiloh never really wants for anything, and keeps getting dragged through the narrative by people that are like telling her what to do. And like you could argue that like the it ends with like okay, she. She makes a choice for herself when she sure. leaves this life that she never particularly wanted mm-hmm. anyway. Uh, but again, it's just Still like, um, yeah, she she doesn't really answer either a want or a need. You know, she didn't her character didn't need to resolve turning down riches <laughs> or, you know. Um, so the other the other <laughs> thing that we've been or I guess I've been bringing up, you know, in this in this uh, series of episodes that we've been doing is. <clears throat> the question of like, why do you make this? Why does this need to exist in this form? Right. And it's interesting that they got this money and they chose to make a film of it, even though they were apparently doing shows around Los Angeles with this. And, you know, like you said, they started to do some shows, but it didn't really go anywhere. So then they made this movie instead. I, I'm curious as to why they thought this has to be a movie instead of like going more hardcore. Cause at the very least I could say, okay, maybe if you had put more, time into it and effort into it and workshopped it and like worked on the songs, you could probably see this as being at least like an off-Broadway musical of some sort. Like you could sort of forgive a lot of this stuff if you put on a stage show, but I didn't really see any reason for this to be a film even. Yeah. Cause I was thinking about like the sort of Hadestown, um, analogy of like how that was workshopped for years and years mm-hmm. and years and years. You know, when you like look at the original concept album, like all the stuff was still there, but it was like refined and character development was added and obviously had a lot of contribution from the actors. And I think this was this, the case too. Yeah. And it's not like Anais Mitchell had any st- Green, right? So it's not even like really a like a an issue of these people not knowing what they're doing because Anais Mitchell had never written like a, a play before. She'd never, you know, she'd never studied screenwriting. At least not to my knowledge, she might have. Um, it need not be an issue of like, oh well, it's baby's first try, you know, uh, because that's why these things can like improve after being you know workshopped over for years and years. Um, I guess I could kind of see the movie aspect. Uh, but like then then they did all the stylism that I guess I didn't quite like, like the comic book um, style. I, I, I don't like, I don't understand what that was doing for it because it, I I didn't see what it had to do with comics. Yeah. I think it's because that guy was an illustrator. That's it. Like, I think it just was a short way of doing exposition that was like visually interesting without making it boring. You probably just want to show off some drawings. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Like tank girl did it too. Oh fuck! I forgot about that movie. Holy shit! (laughs) Completely forgot about that. Yeah, and at least because at least in Tank, like I, I, I mean, I, I have some fondness for Tank Girl, uh, but like, like again, like the stylism in that movie made sense, and this just it felt a little arbitrary. A lot of the creative decisions felt kind of arbitrary, and I think like it, it the the thing about using clunky metaphor mm-hmm. is like it needs to have a point, yeah. and I think like especially if you're gonna make it about like. Plastic surgery and vanity, which is very like, 
I just moved to LA I and say, I have. Yeah, I, I was going to say we have to have this disclaimer, right? Which is like yeah. everybody who comes to LA, the first thing they notice is how uh, you know, and it's it's parodied and parodied in like every fucking movie and TV show of like, did mm-hmm. you know that people in LA are vain and superficial <laughs> and they shop on Rodeo Drive and they have boob jobs and their faces are plastic and you're like, ooh, look at me, I'm edgy, and it's like, yeah, okay, sure, clearly, like not that that's not like a thing to notice, but. It's just it's I, I don't so know. I don't overdone. think it is a thing. Like I, I, I kind of have f- opinions about plastic surgery uh, because, like, especially like as it pertains to LA, because it's like people are demonized for doing their job. It's an actress's job to be pretty mm-hmm. a lot of the time, and it drives me crazy whenever you have actresses like Anne Hathaway or Scarlett Johansson who have obviously had work done. But they have had good work yep. done. And so people praise them like, wow, how do you still look 20? It's because she had plastic surgery and is an artist. <laughs> like, look at Gwen Stefani. It's like yeah. whenever, you know, whenever it's not obvious, they are praised for it. And whenever Looks it bad. is obvious, yeah, they, they are it. like demonized. And to me, that drives me crazy because like, That's fair. Yeah, hey, it's their fucking job. But my main thing is like that just enforces this completely unrealistic, you know, expectation on normal women because mm-hmm. they look at like women like Anne Hathaway way and are like oh that's she's naturally like that no she's not <laughs> like you know and i i think it's just like we kind of need to call it for what it is and stop stigmatizing it yes actresses have plastic surgery it's their job to be pretty and then you like move to la and be like mad at actresses for doing their fucking job <laughs> may being pretty for you you asshole like who do you think they're being pretty for <laughs> fucker yeah. so yeah and i think you know and it's also like you I know that, there's a little bit of a cultural thing to it too um uh, especially in la but eh, we may not want to get into that uh <laughs> but, but the, the yeah, point being uh, that it's 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 very prevalent it's very like my first like uh, you know observation of when you move to la and so it's again i guess we're yeah. sort of sounding very snarky where we're like we've been in the bay and the los angeles area <laughs> for so long like this is cliche. Okay, whatever. We're dead inside. It's fine. That's just let's forget it. Well, I mean, it's just like if you're gonna include that, then you can do a what new angle. With, yeah, exactly. You could yeah. you could just say something different about it, or at least say something more like interesting about it, rather than just same with the debt slavery thing, because I think that's like it's that genuinely doesn't really make any sense to include a narrative like this where none of the characters are affected by debt, mm-hmm. like even Sarah Brightman's character. Uh, is is like wealthy and on top of the world. The only reason she's getting repoed appears to be out of spite. So like that aspect of the narrative does not be- have any bearing on any of the characters, and therefore doesn't have any bearing on the universe as a whole. Um, and like this idea of stealing from the dead also doesn't really matter because the only addict is Paris Hilton, and who cares? Like, <laughs> and also like again, like I say, Paris Hilton is not bad in this movie. She is on the level with every other actor in it. I, I would argue she's better <laughs> than fucking Paul Sorvino. Holy shit, he's so bad in this. Mm-hmm. Paul Sorvino is a fucking disaster. Although I have thoughts about... Who, pa- who does Paul Sorvino play? He's the dad. He's the, the Trumpy dad. He's Pauly oh, yeah, yeah. from Goodfellas. Yeah. He's a good singer, though. He's, yeah, he's apparently an, uh, an actually a trained opera singer. Uh, he's also actually our friend Baz Luhrmann. He he was the dad in uh, Roman Juliet too. I can't remember whose oh. dad he, he was. Juliet's dad. 
Um, <clears throat> but he's, you could see, so this is, this is a good case study in terms of like people who shit on actors, right? Like right. look at people's performances and see how a director can shape a perform, help you shape a performance and like shoot a performance and you can be way terrible. Like, this. like the director's, yeah. your actor's job is only like half in your own hands. The other half of it is a director who knows what the fuck they're doing. This isn't my genre. This isn't, I mean, beyond not being into musicals, but like horror. So whatever, take it with a grain of salt. Like I wasn't necessarily going to love it anyway, but even within that, I didn't necessarily see a point to it. And I didn't feel, and I feel like the, the uh, crew and some of the cast that had been hired and the budget that they had, I, I expected more of it. I honestly, like I said, I thought it was like a Tommy Wiseau kind of production where I was like, well, it's just made by some kooky weirdo who's like never made anything. And then I was like, what the fuck? This guy's directed like Hollywood films and this got yes. an eight and a half million dollar budget. It fucking just shoot please me. Please excuse. Yeah. Please excuse our, you know, jaded Hollywood perspective <laughs> where we have <laughs> different, different expectations for people in our industry actually i say our but like kave has way more <laughs> experience on actual productions than i do i'll, I'll say this on the positive note right i worked in post <laughs> we're all part of the same family of filmmakers but i will the say same this same hateful family the positive note was it inspired me after i watched it where i was like i should not be self-conscious about my 40th draft of something that i've written or the 50th time i've drawn something because clearly you're able to just make something and it doesn't matter if it's good and people will still love it on some level for some reason. And it could be a cult classic. Yeah. And then you can get a sucker like me and you to do a podcast about it later. And it'll live. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure they're going to get some eyeballs out of this. It's on, it's on Amazon prime. If yeah. you want to go check it out, I'm sure someone will give them some streaming pennies for the, I don't know. I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying you guys. Like I don't, cause I don't I like, bad. how do we like, do something ep- nice at the end of this? I don't know. We, uh, I don't know. Cause like, I remember the last episode was it? Uh, yeah, we were joking about how like Kaveh's losing his hateful edge, uh, <laughs> as a, having, uh, enjoyed Moulin Rouge. So he's back. The I'm bitch back. Is back, I'm back baby. baby. <laughs> I'm a bitch. I'm a bitch. <laughs> the pitch is back. All right. So yeah, this is like this is what you kids are signed up for is hate. Um, this is probably what they want. I feel like they might have yeah. been trying to just like yeah. egg us on. Maybe to, that's yeah, exactly. why everyone was on Twitter yeah. was just trying to get us to get upset about it. Yeah. Tra- yeah. Exactly. So we're back. We're back to basics. Uh, all right. Okay. Well, I guess I guess that'll do. Yeah, I don't know what we're doing next week. All right, we'll figure it out. We'll figure um, out something great, something iconic, yeah. hopefully better than yeah. uh, Repo. Uh, anyway. Um, oh, fun fact. By the way, side note. My that movie I told you about, the first one that I ever worked on, Operation Repo, also on Amazon Prime. I also mm. I also looked it up afterwards and I scrubbed through it just to sort of like walk down memory lane. The funniest part of it, this is how bad this movie was. I was the boom op and I was the sound operator. And when I went to the credits to watch it, they put me in art department. And I realized they credited the sound department as the art department. So there is no sound department credited in that film. We are mislabeled as art department. <laughs> So on your IMDb, does it say art department? No, on my IMDb, it still says sound department, but on the actual print of the film, it says art department. (laughs) See, yeah, this is what we expect for, you know, amateur hour. (laughs) I just thought that was hilarious. Like, oh, these little, these dorky, like, low budget Yeah, it's Yeah, it's like funny. (laughs) It's like cute. Anyway, okay. Like now, eight and a half million dollars. I'm sure it all went to Paris Hilton. Oh my God. Uh, Okay, anyway, so... We are at Musical Splaining on Twitter with no G. Follow us at Musical Splaining with a G on Instagram. 
I am at Kavitaharian on t- Twitter, and I am Permafriends at Permafriends on Instagram. Go check out some of my goofy comics. All right, so I guess, yeah. Yeah, whatever. Oh, next time. Wreck us something good, you guys. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs>